0: Love Talk Radio.
1: We will be talking sports and having fun doing it. And I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com. That's blogtalkradio.com. That's and you can send messages to the show on Twitter, at go And while you're there, at go 4 on Twitter, give me a follow right there, at go 4 Great show lined up for you today as we end out the new year and we close out 2012 and get prepared to go into 2013. Expected to be joined by the newest member of the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl linebacker of the Washington Redskins, Lorenzo Alexander, Lorenzo has a big football game tomorrow as well as his Redskins go against the Dallas Cowboys, winner take all, NFC East battle, the second year in a row that the Cowboys have been involved in that particular situation, winner take all, last week of the season, and on the road actually, so the Cowboys, they've been here before, this is familiar territory for the Dallas Cowboys, but will it matter, will it matter? Will it matter? Does that experience matter? We shall see. Big game tomorrow in the NFC East. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that particular football game. It's in prime time on NBC. Sunday Night Football. Cowboys. Redskins. For it all. For it all. And before you look at the Cowboys the past two years the past two years the Dallas Cowboys have been in this situation you even go back to 08 when they were in this situation against the Philadelphia Eagles winner gets the wild card spot and in that particular situation the Cowboys came up woefully small 44 to 6 beat down by the Philadelphia Eagles back in 2008 Wayne Phillips was the coach at that time let's go to last year. Let's rewind it back to last year or fast order from 2008 to 2011 against the New York football Giants and Giants Stadium MetLife Stadium I should say the Cowboys another opportunity. Win and you're in. You get in. You win the division. You celebrate. You get to the playoffs and the Cowboys came up small again. They came up small again and now This year, the Dallas Cowboys have an opportunity. Tony Romo has an opportunity to silence some doubters. Uh, The the, the people that don't believe. The the people that don't believe in Tony Romo. The people who have questioned Tony Romo, questioned Jason Garrett, questioned the Dallas Cowboys organization over the past few years. Now, questions can be answered or at least, The Cowboys can give the right answers here this time around. At least, maybe the Cowboys can give the right answer this time around. Will they? Will they this time around? An opportunity for the Dallas Cowboys to silence all the doubters, to silence everybody who's had a problem and said the Cowboys are. Chokers, the Cowboys and Tony Romo, Jason Garrett can't get it done in big situation. The Dallas Cowboys now can silence everybody tomorrow. The questions become: Is will they? Can they? Well, I said a few weeks back that I felt like the Washington Redskins would win the NFC East, just just the way they were playing. I just had a feeling just the way – this, and it mainly came down to schedule for me. Schedule was the reason I felt the Redskins would get – would at least be in this position and even would win the division. And and schedule was the big reason why. I mean, I looked at their schedule, and their schedule was so favorable. It it was so beneficial. It was so great for the Redskins down the stretch. It really was. The schedule really – was in the favor of the Washington Redskins. I mean, and you look at the other schedules, the Giants, the schedule that the Giants had down the stretch, it was murder. I mean the Giants had a murderous schedule down the stretch and I think that's one of the big reasons they're in a position that they're in. Other and also they're not really playing good football. But I mean I mean you had a situation where the final four weeks of the season you had New Orleans well, let's take it even back to the week 12 for the New York Giants. You had Green Bay, a game that you won. You had to go to Washington, a team that was playing better at the time. That was a t- You obviously lost. But you had New Orleans. New Orleans was a team that was playing better football. You won that game. You beat them, beat them down, actually. And then you go to Atlanta and you get spanked. You go to Baltimore and you get spanked. And so uh, your schedule obviously was a tough, fo- a tough schedule. A tough schedule. And that's one of the reasons I said to myself, you know what? the Redskins are probably going to win the NFC East. And I looked at the Redskins' schedule, and I saw, okay, Baltimore, Out game I thought they would lose, but they have Cleveland, they have Philadelphia, both of those games they won. They also had Dallas to end the season at home. I just figured everything worked together for the Redskins to be the team that wins the NFC East and ultimately gets to the playoffs from the NFC East. That's the way I saw it. That's the way I saw it. But I'm not going to backtrack. I'm going to stick to my original pick. The Washington Redskins will win the NFC East. But if I could switch that pick, I would think about switching that pick. Because I really, really like the way Tony Romo is playing right now. Tony Romo is playing some big-time football right now for the Dallas Cowboys. Last week against the New Orleans Saints, they were down. Late in that particular football game, when Tony Romo drove him back, he drove him back and hit two big scores to put that game into overtime. I like the way he's going right now. 446 yards, three touchdowns last week against the New Orleans Saints. I like the way he's playing right now. I like the rhythm that he's in. Another, He had a big game against the Steelers the week before where he put up 341 yards and two big touchdowns against the Steelers. He's playing big time football. A week before that, against the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati, coming off the issue with Josh Brent and that whole situation, he went into Cincinnati 268 yards, 68 yards in a touchdown. Decent performance by Romo. He's on a roll right now. He's playing well. And against the Philadelphia Eagles, against the Philadelphia Eagles, week 13, Tony Romo goes in against the Philadelphia Eagles, 303 big yards. Three big touchdowns for the Dallas Cowboys. Again, continuing to play big time football for the Dallas Cowboys. He's playing big time football for the Cowboys. He's getting it done for the Dallas Cowboys right now. He's getting it done. He is getting it done. And even a loss against the Redskins in Week 12, and this will be a rematch Week 17. But Roma was 444 441 yards in that game. He passed for 441 yards. Had three touchdowns. He also had two big interceptions in that game. But he balled and has been bawling throughout the course of this season. Tony Romo is having a decent season for the Dallas Cowboys. He, he's putting up some decent numbers for the Dallas Cowboys. He's putting up some decent numbers. 4,600 yards passing, probably may end the season at 5,000 yards when it's all said and done, 26 big touchdowns. He does have 16 interceptions, which is something he could do a little better in that area. But all in all, Tony Lomo has been balling. And I know a few weeks back I picked the Redskins to win the division. If I had to switch it and I had the Redskins win the division, I really feel good about the Cowboys' chances to win the game tomorrow. I really do. I just think past disappointments in terms of last season, 2008 as well, with this team, I think they may have learned from that. And I think now the way Tony Romo is, I like the rhythm that he's in right now. And granted, the Cowboys' defense hasn't been that great of late. But RG3, how how healthy is he? I mean, I saw him last week against the Eagles. Didn't run a lot of those option plays. Pretty much, RG three was a pocket passer, and he did a good job as a pocket passer last week. But you didn't see that extra dimension that he brings to the table, that dimension that makes him special in my mind. You didn't see that as, that that part of RG three last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. But I remember that one scramble he had about five yards. He, he scrambled out and he just went to the sideline. But he he got to when he went to the sidelines, he just it, it was gingerly. It, it, it wasn't with that same oomph that we've seen from RG3 and the explosion that we have seen from RG3 throughout the course of this season, throughout the course of his young career at this point. We haven't seen that from RG3. But I look at this game now, and this is a big football game, obviously for the Redskins, obviously for the Cowboys, for both of these teams. Big football game. Who wins? Who who gets it done? To the Redskins and this improbable run. I mean, the Redskins were three and six. The talk was, let's prepare for next season. That the talk was, the Redskins were were preparing, and obviously the future was going to be bright with Robert Griffin III as your quarterback. Let's prepare for next season. Uh, let's go into next year and let's see what happens. Let's play out the string, and then they came off that bye, meaning the Redskins came off the bye, and then they had the, they had a, they got a get right game against the Philadelphia Eagles, and a lot of teams have gotten right playing the Philadelphia Eagles this year. But they had a get right game against the Eagles, and then they beat the Cowboys, the Giants, the Ravens, the Browns, and the Philadelphia Eagles. You could argue that they didn't beat well; they beat the Ravens. But other than the Ravens, you could argue that they may have beaten only really one playoff team in that run. But again, the Redskins were left for dead. They were left for, left for dead coming off a, a loss at home to the Carolina Panthers. So this was a team left for dead. The Redskins were done. We, we were we were talking about next year with the Redskins. The Redskins were done. We were talking about the future of the Redskins with RG3 moving forward. That's what we were doing with the Washington Redskins. They were done. We, we were talking how much they were done. They were done. And then, and then, Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, six, one win later, two wins later, two wins later, three wins later, four wins later, five wins later, ultimately six wins later, the Redskins control their own destiny. The Redskins now are in a position to win the division at home against the Dallas Cowboys. They won six in a row, which is a great feat. But the reality is, the reality of this situation is they have to win seven. They have to win seven in a row. And the Dallas Cowboys are not going to be an uh, an easy opponent. The Cowboys are going to play good football, I believe. I believe the Cowboys are going to play some real good football in this game. I really do believe the Cowboys are going to play some big football in this game. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a competitive game. It's the NFC East football. And it comes down to the end, the final game of the year. And it will be in Washington for all the marbles. Again, a few weeks back, I had the Redskins winning the NFC East. Now, and I know the Cowboys are coming off a tough loss against the New Orleans Saints. But the New Orleans Saints put up numbers. They put up points. And the Cowboys, they put up points, too. I, I'm I'm tempted. I'm, I'm I'm very close and tempted to go with the Dallas Cowboys in this particular football game. I really am. I really am. But I'm gonna hold that pick until the end. I'm tempted to go there, but I'm not sure if I will completely go there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I will completely go there. But if the Cowboys, if they lose here again, it will be definitely fail. There you go. Big time fail. If the Cowboys lose in basically the NFC Championship game again, the NFC East Championship game, two opportunities for the Cowboys Over the last two seasons, their first opportunity against the New York Giants, the Giants dominated that particular football game. And now this opportunity, this opportunity against the Washington Redskins in Washington, RG3 and the Redskins, six-game winning streak, Redskins playing their best football of the season at this point. It's going to be tough for the Cowboys to win it. It's going to be tough for the Cowboys to win it. Can they do it? Will they do it? That is the question that needs to be answered. That is the question that will be answered come tomorrow, 8.20 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday Night Football, Redskins, Cowboys. Who wins the NFC East? This game is for the NFC East. I want to now go through – I mean, a lot of tomorrow, big day in the National Football League. Seedings, some seeding needs to be taken care of. Obviously, some divisions. The division needs to be taken care of. Seeding needs to be taken care of. And so there's some football, meaningful football, that needs to be played. The wild card situation needs to be taken care of in the NFC. So, a lot of football that needs to be played tomorrow. A lot of meaningful football, I should say, that will be played and has to be played. it's going to be played in order for us to figure out who will be in the playoffs. Who will be in the playoffs? And let's go and look at some of these various playoff scenarios. Let's start in the AFC now. Let's start with the Houston Texans. This is a team now of 12-3. and 3. A few weeks back, you figured, you know what, the Houston Texans are probably going to be the number one seed in the AFC. Probably. Well, after the loss to the Minnesota Vikings last week, some doubt has seeped in. Some doubt has come into the minds of everyone. There's doubt now at this point when you talk about when you talk about the Houston Texans in terms of them getting to the Super Bowl, and in terms of them even getting the number one seed in the AFC. This team has not been playing. Houston Texans football, the type of Houston Texans football that we've seen earlier in the season. This team is different than that team we've seen earlier in the season. Injuries may be a part of that. The defense was, is not the same type of defense that we've seen earlier in the season. The secondary is decimated with injuries. This team defensively has not been the same team that we've seen early on. But you look at the Houston Texans. Reality is they win at Indianapolis, which is going to be tough, A game, really, that doesn't mean anything for the Colts. But, I mean, a game I think the Colts want to win. A game the Colts obviously want to win. But this is a game that doesn't mean as much to the Colts as it does to the Houston Texans. Reality is Houston Texans win tomorrow. They get the number one seed throughout the playoffs. They lose now, and it could be interesting. They could go from having that buy in the number one seed to – being a number three seed, having a home playoff game, but playing on the first week of the playoffs. So that could be what happens to the Houston Texans. That could be what goes on in Houston with the Houston Texans if they lose to the Colts. Let's go to the Denver Broncos now. Denver Broncos, a team playing big-time football, obviously, 10 in a row. This was a team at one point was two and three. This is a team at one point that many questioned, hey, maybe Peyton Manning, maybe he cannot come all the way back. And, obviously, he has come all the way back and then some. He has come all the way back and then some. He's balled. He's gotten it done. He's on MVP status at this point. I mean, Peyton Manning has balled. The Denver Broncos have have balled. Defensively, they're balling. Vaughn Miller, Elvis Dumerville, and those boys, Wesley Woodyard, And those guys are balling. Champ Bailey, of course, as well. Balling, getting it done, making it happen, playing big-time football. The Denver Broncos have won 10 in a row. 10 in a row. And this is a team that could go into the playoffs on an 11-game win streak, and they probably will go into these playoffs on an 11-game win streak. I can't see any possibility that this team would lose to the Kansas City Chiefs at home, to end the season with this much on the line. I I, I would be shocked, amazed, astonished, stunned if that were to happen. Absolutely stunned. I I, I may even have a heart attack if that happens. I mean, that's something that probably will not – not probably, that's something that will not happen. So anyway, anyway, you look at the Denver Broncos – And this is the team now. Win at Kansas City, and that at least gives them at least a bye, the first week bye, and at least a home playoff game in the divisional round. That's a guarantee if they win tomorrow. That's a guarantee if they win tomorrow. So if they win tomorrow, they at least get that first week bye, and at least get one home playoff game in the divisional round. Win tomorrow. Now, possibility if they lose and. I don't see how on God's green earth this could happen, but if they lose tomorrow, there's that possibility that they can move all the way down to the third seed. That's a possibility for the Denver Broncos. So I see it happening now. I don't think that will happen. I'd be stunned if it happened. Obviously, there's no way that will happen. There's no way that will happen. No way. That will happen. No way. If if that happens, I'll walk from here to California barefoot. I mean, there's, there's just no way that happens. No way that Denver Broncos lose to the Kansas City Chiefs tomorrow. There's no way that happens. No way. But anything is possible. Stranger things have happened. But that would be something that would be absolutely strange. Absolutely strange if that were to happen. That would be something that would be absolutely strange if that were to happen. Anyway, let's continue. Playoff scenarios. New England Patriots, this is a team now. Win at Miami and losses by Houston and Denver. There's a possibility if Houston and Denver lose and the New England Patriots win which they probably will against the Miami Dolphins. But if that happens, there's a possibility that the Denver Broncos get the number one seed. I'm more inclined to think that the Denver, New England Patriots will, and I said Denver Broncos, I'm talking about the New England Patriots, if they win tomorrow in Miami and Houston and Denver lose, then they can get the top spot. But the reality is, and also you look at it, if they lose tomorrow and then Baltimore wins, the Patriots could drop to all the way to number four. They could drop all the way to four in the AFC. I don't see that happening. I see the Patriots winning tomorrow against Miami. I I see the Patriots keeping that number three seed. I don't see them going, leafrogging Denver or Houston. I can see Houston losing tomorrow, but I don't think they will. But, 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 and Chuck Pagano is back, so... That could be add some intrigue and drama, and add some motivation to the to the Indianapolis Colts. But anyway, I don't see, I don't see, I don't see the Patriots getting any any higher than three. I expect them to stay at three. I don't expect them to go any higher or lower than that three seed. I expect the Patriots to be in the number three number three spot tomorrow. When it's all said and done, when the season ends, the Patriots will get the number three seed in the AFC. Let's go now to the NFC. The Ravens will stick at four. They could go to three, obviously, if they they win and the Patriots lose, but they're probably going to stick at four. Colts are locked in at five, and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are locked in at six. Let's go today, NFC now. The Atlanta Falcons, of course, 13-2 at this point have the number one seed, have locked up the number one seed in the NFC. If you're going to go to the Super Bowl, it's probably going to go through Atlanta with the Atlanta Falcons. So they have the number one seed locked up, sewn up, and taken care of. They have that taken care of. That's done. It's taken care of, locked up, secure for the Atlanta Falcons. The number two seed now, that that's a situation now that's a little up in the air. The number two seed is a little up in the air right now, and it's coming down to the Green Bay Packers and a new, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers and, and you knew it would be tough for this team to go into New England and then come back and go into Seattle and win both of those football games. Well, they did go to New England and win, but they didn't go into Seattle and win. And Seattle put up 42 big points against this uh, big-time 49ers defense. But anyway, the 49ers are now 10-4-1. And how big is, is that tie now against the St. Louis Rams, how big is that tie? Because that tie is coming into play. You win that particular football game, a game that you should win. I mean, you should win at least once against the St. Louis Rams, but a game that you should have won against the St. Louis Rams, you lose, you, you, you end up. it ends up in a tie, and now that tie is looming large for you. That tie is the reason that you're not the number two seed. You're not the number two seed. That's the reason now you're the number three seed instead of the number two seed because you've beaten the Green Bay Packers, this season. So now, instead of being number two, you're going to be number three more than likely because the Packers played the Minnesota Vikings, and the Minnesota Vikings did go into Houston and beat the Houston Texans. The Minnesota Vikings also, this is a team that's playing for their playoff lives. They win and they're in. The Packers, they're playing for that first week's buy. So this game means a lot to both of these football teams. This game means a lot to both of these football teams. This is a big football game for both teams. And it's in Minnesota. And Adrian Peterson has an opportunity now, 208 yards shy of Eric Dickerson. Will he get it? That's a lot to ask for a guy to get that kind of yardage again. But he did have 210 yards against the Green Bay Packers a few weeks ago. So it's not impossible. Obviously, it's not impossible, but 210 yards is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask of someone. It's a lot to ask of someone to get 208 yards in a particular football game. It's a lot. It's a lot. But it's possible. It truly is possible. It's not an impossible situation. It's possible. It's not impossible. And the way he's been playing throughout the course of this year, nothing is impossible when it comes to Adrian Peterson. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely, positively, nothing is impossible when it comes to Adrian Peterson. the kind of year he's had, the type of injury he's coming off of. Nothing is impossible. Nothing. Nothing is impossible. He's coming off a big time. He's having a big time year, an absolutely big time year. Big time year. He's getting it done for the Minnesota Vikings. He's getting it done for the Minnesota Vikings and has been getting it done throughout the course of this year. Some say he is the MVP. Others say he's just the comeback player of the year. Regardless of what you say, he's having a big time year. But anyway, you look at that game. It's winner. Winner either gets the number two seed, that is the Green Bay Packers. Winner, the Minnesota Vikings, at least just gets into the dance. My Vikings lose and the Bears win. They're probably out. They're out. They're not probably out. They're out. They're out. They're out. So they lose. They're pretty much done, because I don't expect the Bears to lose to the Detroit Lions. And anyway, you still have a situation where the Giants could get in at that point. The Giants need a lot of help, obviously, but the Giants could still get in. Even the Redskins, if they lost, could still get in. So a lot of things that could happen. But all in all, here's the bottom line. Packers win. They get the number two seed. You look at it, or it could even, they'll probably get, if they win, they get the number two seed. If they lose, they probably will not get the number two seed. They probably will go down to at least the number three seed. That's what probably is going to happen. That's probably what's going to happen. But we shall see. Let's go on. San Francisco 49ers, we know what they need. They got to win tomorrow, and hopefully, the Green Bay Packers will lose. And if that happens, the 49ers keep well. The 49ers could get to the number two spot. The 49ers, though, if they lose to the Arizona Cardinals, and again, that's another football game. I just can't see the 49ers losing to Ryan Lindley and those boys. Oh, the Arizona Cardinals! I I, I can't see that happening. But if it were to happen. 49ers now could be in a situation where they would have to go, they could possibly be in a wild card, be the wild card team, and have to go on the road the first week of the playoffs. That would be something. That would be something because we, we looked at the 49ers and we say they probably were going to be the number two seed. They could drop all the way from three to five. They could drop all the way from three to five. The Washington Redskins, we know what they have to do. They have to beat the Cowboys tomorrow. They could get some other help. I mean, there's a possibility that the the, the Vikings and the Giants and the uh, Bears lose, that the Redskins could still get in with a loss. But that's a lot that needs to happen for for you to be in the playoffs. All in all, the Redskins need to win. They need to win tomorrow. Win, and they're in. Bottom line. That's the bottom line. Seattle, they're in a situation now. If they can – if they can win tomorrow against St. Louis and San Francisco lose, as I said before, they can move up all the way to the third spot. Actually, they can move all the way up to the number two spot if the Packers lose. So if the Packers and the Niners lose, the Seahawks win, the Seahawks could be the number two seed in the NFC. And you look at that team, the way they play at home, that team is so dominant at home. And then you look at the Seahawks, if they were a team that had home field throughout the course of these playoffs, and that's not possible, but if they were, they would get to the Super Bowl, guaranteed. They're a totally different team at home. It's like night and day for this team at home, night and day. But anyway, Seattle now ten and five. They're probably—I don't see the Forty ers losing. They're probably going to be stuck as the fifth wall, as the fifth seed in the NFC. They're probably going to be stuck as the fifth seed, and probably. They're probably gonna play the NFC East winner, which is gonna be Washington or Dallas. That's gonna be an interesting game. If it's Washington, you got the battle of the rookie quarterbacks, the top rookie quarterbacks in this uh game. Andrew Luck as well as one of the top rookie quarterbacks, could but it could be a battle of rookie quarterbacks. That should be interesting. That would be interesting if that were to happen, and that probably will happen. That probably will happen. Minnesota Vikings, they win tomorrow. They're in. And I didn't think the Vikings would be in this position. I didn't expect them to go into Houston and beat the Texans the way they did. They beat them soundly, 22-6. to six. Beat them good. They not only beat them, but they beat them good. They beat them good. Beat them good. They beat them good. So I look at this, the Minnesota Vikings, and I, I wouldn't be surprised they beat the Packers. I really wouldn't. Um, But the Packers have a lot to play for. The Packers have been playing some big-time football of late. And the Minnesota Vikings, they're a team now that has been playing good football as well. Christian Ponder played well last week against the Texans. Can he do it again against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? That should be an interesting football game. That's going to be a very good football game, and we shall see. But the Vikings win, and they're in. The Bears, they need help. They need the Minnesota Vikings to lose. That's the bottom line. They win tomorrow, and they need the Vikings to lose. If that happens, Lovey Smith keeps his job for now. And if that happens, the Chicago Bears get into the playoffs. If the Bears win and the Vikings win, it doesn't matter. Vikings get in, but does Lovey Smith keep his job? That's going to be a tough one, I have to say. Probably not. Probably not. But we shall see. Cowboys, it's kind of simple for the Cowboys win and you're in. That's the bottom line nothing else can help you. You lose, it's a rat, nothing else can help you. The Giants, the Giants need a whole lot of help. The Giants need a whole lot of help, a whole lot of help. They got to win, and they need Minnesota to lose. <laughs> they need the, the, the Bears to lose. I mean, they need so much help. The Redskins to lose, I mean, they need a lot of help. The Giants need a lot of help. If they are going to get to the playoffs, they're going to need a lot of help. And I'm not even sure they can help themselves. I don't think they're going to beat the Eagles. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, but I expect the Eagles now with Michael Vick back in the mix. I think that changes some things in this game, and it turns a game that was kind of a yawner to me into an intriguing football game. This is an intriguing football game now. It's a very intriguing football game. A very intriguing football game. So the, the Giants need the Bears to lose, the Vikings to lose, and the Dallas to lose. So they need three teams to lose. Three teams to lose: Cowboys, Bears, and Vikings. It's not impossible. I mean, it's a lot, but not impossible. I mean, the Redskins are the favorite against the Cowboys at home. I mean, the Vikings are playing against the Green Bay Packers, a team that really needs that football game tomorrow. And then the Bears are playing the Detroit Lions, and I wouldn't sleep on the Lions. They're a very talented football team, a team that can put up a lot of points, a lot of numbers. So I I wouldn't sleep on the Giants. I wouldn't sleep on the Giants, and that's a team that no one wants to see get in. No one wants to see the Giants get in. No one, including myself because I'm not – I've uh, never been a huge Giants fan throughout the course of my life, and uh, I think I would enjoy if the Giants were to lose tomorrow, obviously to my Philadelphia Eagles. And I actually expect the Eagles to win that game tomorrow. I expect Michael Vick to go out and play a big-time football game. I mean, this is a guy who many thought wouldn't play again this year, but Nick Foles broke his hand, broke his throwing hand. So that gave an opportunity for Michael Vick to have one last shot, one last hurrah, and this is probably probably going to be the final hurrah for Michael Vick, probably the final hurrah for Andy Reid. So this is going to be an end of an era in some respect, end of the Reid era and end of the Michael Vick era in Philadelphia. I don't see any way, I mean, unless Michael Vick agrees to a restructured contract, and it also depends on, and his reports are, he says he's not going to do that, he's not going to restructure his deal. So all in all, this is probably the final football game for Michael Vick in the Eagle uniform, and you never know the coaching situation. Um, You you don't know in terms of what's going to happen in terms of the coaching, who is going to be the coach for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2013. That could change some things in terms of Michael Vick and what happens with him. But I I don't see – never say never, but I I don't see Michael Vick. I don't don't see a scenario where Michael Vick will return. I guess the only scenario – that would make that possible if Vic agrees to restructure his contract, and then you could, if you get a coach like Chip Kelly, who runs the spread of offense, who, who wants a running quarterback, that could change things. Maybe Chip Kelly would want Michael Vick. Who knows? Who knows? But Michael Vick has a three million. Uh, uh, he has a, he has a, an opt- option in his contract for three million dollars. He can get that. But if the Eagles release him by February 6th, they won't have to pay him that money, that $3 million in guarantees. They won't have to pay him. He's scheduled to make $15.5 million next season for the Eagles, which is a lot of money. You know that he's not going to get that kind of money. You know the Eagles are not going to pay $15.5 million for Michael Vick. And I don't say, I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him. I really don't. I really don't. But he's not willing, according to reports, according to a Philadelphia Inquirer report, he's not willing to restructure his contract. That's something he's not going to do. He's not open to it according to the to according to according Inquirer. That, that's according to the paper in Philadelphia. He's not open. I'm not open at all to restructuring his deal. He's not open to it. So if they release him by February 6th, they don't have to give him that guaranteed $3 million in his deal. So, so, more than likely, Michael Vick will be gone before the Super Bowl or a little bit after the Super Bowl. He will be gone. He will be gone. Michael Vick will be gone. And that's it. That's, 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 that's it for Michael Vick in a Philadelphia uniform. But it should be interesting. It, it, it truly should be interesting to see – how? How? That whole situation plays out for the Philadelphia Eagles because it is the end. Uh, I don't. I mean, you know, Andy Reid's 14 big years for the Eagles did a lot of great things in Philadelphia. The past couple haven't been great, obviously, in Philadelphia land. Have not been great at all for Andy Reid. I mean, last year talk of dream team, all the talent that the Eagles had, and they were eight and eight this year. You come back you only win four games, you're four and eleven at this point. Could end the season at four and twelve. I mean this talent this this roster you could argue maybe it's not as talented as we thought, but it's more talented than four wins. This roster could get should get should be able to get you more than four wins. This roster should be able to get you more than four wins. It should. It should be able to get you more than four wins. This roster should be able to get you more than four wins. It should. It should. But it hasn't. It hasn't for the Philadelphia Eagles. It has not. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. back, and again, and I'm getting back to the Eagles now, and this is a team, obviously, this is a team, obviously, that's been a huge and utter disappointment for the past two seasons, a huge and utter disappointment. The past two seasons in Philadelphia have been a disappointment. Andy Reid will tell you that, Jeffrey Voy will tell you that, Michael Vick will tell you that, everybody on this roster will tell you that. It's been a disappointment. It's been an absolute disappointment in Philadelphia. And this is a team that big-time expectations. Big-time expectations for the Eagles. I mean, I had them going to the Super Bowl. I know a lot of other people had this team going to the Super Bowl. I know a lot of other people had this team at least going to the playoffs. And now, a team... That was dreamy a year ago. I mean, the past over the past two seasons, this is a team now that when you look at it, when it's all said and done, probably will be 12 and 20 in two seasons. The last two seasons, that's not good enough. 12 and 20 is not good enough. 12 and 20 is not good enough in two seasons. It's just not good enough. 12 and 20 is not good not good not good at all 12 and 20 is unacceptable with this talent with this level of talent 12 and 20 is just unacceptable and it could be 13 and 19 but it is what it is whatever it is 13, 19, 12 and 20 it's not acceptable it's unacceptable and the anti-reader will end because of it it will end because of it a lot of Great times in Philadelphia during Andy Reid's 14 years. Great, great. Well, good times. Very good times. Because you can't say great because he didn't win the Super Bowl. So a lot of very good times in Philadelphia over 14 years. Five NFC East, five NFC title appearances, I should say, which is impressive. Which is impressive, obviously. Whole bunch of division wins, a Super Bowl appearance. Winning his coach in Philadelphia Eagles history. I mean, he's done a lot during his time in Philadelphia. Jess couldn't win the big one. Jess could not win the big one. And you would think all those appearances to the NFC titles, and to the NFC championship game, you would think he would at least have, at least have, I don't know, what, at least two Super Bowl appearances, at least two out of those five. Probably should have been more. I mean, he had three. He had home playoff game against the Panthers 2003, home playoff game also against um, <clears throat> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2002. So he's had opportunities now where he's had NFC Championship games in his home, at home. And then you could argue, I mean, favored against the Panthers, favored against the Buccaneers. You would think, you know, going into Arizona, that was a game they should have won back in 2008 as well. So they've had opportunities. I mean, you would expect at least, you, you figure five NFC title appearances, you would expect at least two Super Bowl appearances and probably at least one Super Bowl championship. That is the only thing missing on this Reed resume. This Reed resume has everything except a championship. So, I mean, that's why you say, you know what, the Andy Reed years in Philadelphia, the 14 years in Philadelphia, a lot of success. The 14 years in Philadelphia, Andy Reed, I mean, he did a good job, a very good job. But, There's a difference between very good and great. And Andy Reid has not ascended to great at this point. Andy Reid has not ascended to great at this point. At this point, the 14 years in Philadelphia become very good, not great. Greatness is reserved for those who win championships. Very good, not great. Very good, not great. Very good, not great for Andy Reid. Very good run. Very good run. For the Philadelphia Eagles and Andy Reid, but again... The run has come to an end. All good things have to come to an end, and this has to come to an end. The Eagles need to change the way this team has played over these past over these past two years, and of course, the way they played this season it has been bad, unacceptable, absolutely, positively unacceptable. In many ways, it's been unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable. It's been unacceptable. An unacceptable season for the Philadelphia Eagles. Unacceptable coaching performance from Andy Reid. I mean, he made a lot of mistakes. Defensive coordinator, making your offensive line coach your defensive coordinator was a mistake. Bringing in Jim Washburn, turns out, was a mistake. You could argue bringing in Howard Mudd as the offensive line coach and moving Juan Castillo, obviously moving him to the defensive side of football was a mistake, but... He might have been better off just keeping Juan Castillo as the offensive line coach because he's had a lot of success in that position. A lot of success for the Eagles over the years as the offensive line coach. So, he probably should have stayed in that position. Jim Washburn, you hire an offensive line coach, defensive line coach, I should say, with a wide nine system, that your defensive coordinator, who you just hired, was forced to work with. And then you could argue that you don't have the linebackers and the safeties to run the wide nine. So all these things, all these things, the wide nine, bringing in Washburn, bringing in Mud, moving Juan Castillo, that may have been the beginning of the end for the Eagles. That 2011 season where he made all those moves on the offensive line, with the offensive line coach, defensive line coach, defensive coordinator, all those moves, those three moves may have been the beginning of the end for Andy Reid because those three moves has turned, is basically biting him in the butt. And then replacing Juan Castillo with Todd Bowles was obviously a mistake mid-season. The defense got progressively worse. It didn't get better, it got worse. It did not get better. It got worse over those three years, over those games with Todd Bowles as defensive coordinators. They weren't getting turnovers before Todd Bowles, and they weren't getting turnovers after Todd Bowles. They were at least stopping teams with Juan Castillo with Todd Bowles. They weren't stopping anyone. They weren't stopping anyone. They didn't stop anyone. I mean the Falcons, but I think they punt it one time in that game. Todd Bowles first game as defensive coordinator. Falcons went up and down the field against the Eagles, put up thirty big points. I mean, let's just look at Todd Bowles, the offensive coordinator. Let's start with the the Atlanta Falcons' thirty to seventeen loss, thirty points, twenty eight points to the Saints in a loss, thirty eight points to the Cowboys in a loss, thirty one points to the Redskins in a loss, thirty points to the Carolina Panthers. And a loss. 38 points to the Cowboys and a loss. 21 points against the Buccaneers and a win. 34 points against the Bengals and a loss. And part of that could be attributed to turnovers. Turnovers was a big part of that game against the Bengals. But anyway, 34 big points. And then 27 big points to the Redskins and a loss. Let's look at before. Let's look at Juan Castillo as defense coordinator. 17 points, they gave up. 16 points, I should, I should say, they gave up against the Browns. 23, they gave up against the Ravens. 27 against the Cardinals. 19 against the Giants. 16 against the Steelers. 25, 26, I should say, against the Lions. So, I guess it wasn't that bad under Juan Castillo. I guess it really wasn't that bad. And maybe that looks makes Juan Castillo look good moving forward in the offseason as he tries to get another job, and he will get another coaching job in terms of whether it's the offensive line coach. I don't think he'll get another defensive job, but I think he will get another offensive line coach job because he he was a a great offensive line coach for many years for the Philadelphia Eagles. Aces have to be in their places. Aces have to be in their places. And you moved a guy – From the offensive line, which was a strength for you, to the defensive side of the football, which turned out not to be a strength for you. I mean, the thing is, Jim Johnson died in 2009, and his death, in his death, sad, you know, obviously it's a tragedy anytime anyone dies, but he succumbed to cancer. But they were never able to replace that defensive coordinator position. Sean McDermott, McDermott tried; he wasn't successful. Juan Castillo tried; he wasn't successful. Todd Bowles tried; obviously, he wasn't successful. And now, the Eagles, Andy Reid, are where they are because of those decisions, the decisions on the coaches. Some of the draft picks haven't turned out too well. Jaquan Jarrett, second-round pick that you chose in the second round was cut. He's no longer with the team. You can't – I mean, that's not good. It's just not good. Your second-rounder is cut already. Didn't even last two seasons with you. It lasted a year, and you decided that he couldn't play. I mean, Brandon Graham has shown some flashes this year, obviously, near the end of this year, but – You passed over Jason Pierre-Paul. You chose Nate Allen also in that second round. You passed over an Earl Thomas. So you passed over some guys. You moved up, actually, to get Brandon Graham. And we all know the stud that Jason Pierre-Paul is. We all know the stud that Earl Thomas is. You passed over these guys. That's not good in a draft. You passed over these guys. That's not good. That's not good. You can't win when that kind of thing, when those things happen. You can't. You can't win when those things happen. You can't. And the Eagles didn't do a good job in the draft. And then you could argue that making Michael Vick, your franchise quarterback, was a mistake. In hindsight, it probably was. But at the same time, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Because at the same time, who was your other option? Kevin Cobb at the time. And Kevin Cobb can't stay on the field. He he cannot stay on the field. Kevin Cobb cannot stay on the field. He can't. He's having a hard time staying on the field. He's had a lot of struggles in Arizona staying on the field with his health. Obviously, he lost his job in Philadelphia because of health. He can't stay on the field. He cannot stay on the field, Kevin Cobb. And because of his inability to stay on the field, because of that inability, I I think the Michael Vick situation was fine. I I really can't argue with him. He was the best option in hindsight. He was the best option. And you remember the 2010 Eagles... They didn't tell you they were they were rebuilding, but essentially they were. They were rebuilding in 2010. They were bringing in a new quarterback, Kevin Cobb. The, the defense was young. The team as a whole was young. And everybody was, and this whole situation was going to grow with supposedly your franchise quarterback, Kevin Cobb. You traded away Donovan McNabb to the Redskins at the time. Obviously, Michael Vick was there, still your backup. But then Kevin Cobb first week of the season, Clay Matthews slams his head into the to the turf, to the grass at Lincoln Financial Field, and then from there, Michael Vick stepped in, and Michael Vick had a big time 2010 season, stole the job from Kevin Cobb, and the rest is history. And he also led the Eagles to the playoffs. Eagles will lose to the Green Bay Packers, a game I thought they should have won. I mean, that game. You remember that game, the Philadelphia Eagles had an opportunity there. Michael Bick was driving. I think they were at the 20-yard line of the Green Bay Packers at that point. He throws the ball to the end zone. Tremont Williams picks it off. Packers advance. Eagles go home. And in that game, you had the situation. David Akers missed two big field goals, two very makeable field goals. And ultimately, the Eagles... Were bounced, bounced out in the wild card round of the playoffs in 2011. Of course, you had the dream team: Knobbs signs, Colin Jenkins signs, Vince Young signs, Jason Badman signs. I mean, You sign up to all these guys with the hope if you're bringing the Dominic Rodgers, Cromartie, in a trade with the Kevin Cobb, with the Kevin Cobb, from the Arizona Cardinals in the Kevin Cobb trade. And all these things, all these things were supposed to make the Eagles a formidable team for these next couple of years. And it didn't happen. They became a team of fantasy football players. It was a a team of fantasy football players, this Eagle team. I mean, it it was just a fantasy football team. You just compiled talent. You compile talent, and they were just a fantasy football team. A fantasy football team is the Eagle team that they brought in. I mean, you look at that team a year ago in terms of, you know, Bavin put up big-time numbers in terms of sacks. A lot of people put up big-time numbers in terms of sacks with the Eagles last year. I mean, they led the league in sacks. I mean, it was a collection of talented football players, but Seemed like a, seemed to be a collection of football players. Trent Cole, big time of year, eleven sacks a year ago in 2011. Babin, 18 sacks. I mean, it was a collection of talented football players, but it wasn't a team. You, you saw McCoy had a big time of year. I mean, the numbers were great for a lot of players in 2011. But as you look at this team, you're just saying all the talent on the roster. Was just a collection of just that talent. It wasn't a cohesive team. It wasn't a balanced, cohesive team. And because of that, because of that, the Eagles have played two years of subpar football. And because of that, the Andy Reid era must end tomorrow. And it will end tomorrow against the New York football giants. It's over. For Andy Reid, it's going to be over for a lot of coaches. Black Monday, Norv Turner. I think it's final. He's finally done. He can't stick around after what happened these past few years. Rex Ryan and Mike Tannenbaum. Do they stick around? Does Mike? Does Rex Ryan stick around for another year? That's going to be an interesting one. The Jets have been a disappointment these past two seasons. They didn't even make the playoffs these past two seasons. This is after coming off. Two consecutive appearances in the AFC title game. And then you got Tannebaum with the whole Tim Tebow debacle. And that was a debacle, and we're going to talk about that in the next hour. But the whole Tim Tebow thing was a debacle. I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll see. But does Rex stick around? I think Rex sticks around. I wouldn't be surprised if Tannebaum's sorry, but I think Rex sticks around. Romeo Cornell, he's probably gone. Ron Rivera, I don't know. There is a new general manager, going to be a new general manager. There's going to be a new general manager in Carolina. There is a new general manager in Carolina. So, new general manager means new coach in Carolina. Ron Rivera is probably gone. Even though his team has finished strong this season, Ken Winson Hunt in Arizona, you wonder what's going to happen to him. I know he's had some issues with quarterbacks. Kevin Cobb, John Skelton, that offensive line. None of those guys have measured up. Cobb, they, they, they haven't replaced Kurt Warner. They haven't replaced the great Kurt Warner. You wonder if Mike Malarkey in Jacksonville is going to be out. You wonder what happens there with Jacksonville. I mean, and Mike Malarkey, does he survive? Not a good situation in Jacksonville. Jacksonville's been terrible this year, only two victories. So you wonder if Malarkey survives. So Black Monday, Lovie Smith. Does he survive? I mean, if the Bears don't make it to the playoffs, I think it's safe to say he's gone. The heat is on. The heat is on. The heat is on. Cleveland, you wonder what happens there. Not a good football team, but, you know, Mike Holmgren is gone, and you wonder what's going to be in Cleveland. What's going to be in Cleveland? Joe Banner is there. What happens to the Cleveland Browns? Buffalo, today they, they keep their, their coach, Chan Gailey? Buffalo, a team that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick gave him that big-time money, and he's never measured up. He's never measured up to that contract, and he's been a journeyman throughout the course of his career, never measured up to the contract. So a lot of intriguing things, a lot of intriguing storylines. Black Monday is going to be a black for a lot of coaches and some general managers around the National Football League. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. and popping, and in this hour, we're expected to be joined by Lorenzo Alexander of the Washington Redskins in this hour, should be exciting to talk to him, he is a pro bowler now, and we're going to talk about some of the great things going on with Lorenzo Alexander, so it should be exciting to talk to him in this hour, and we're going to continue to talk football, talk sports, and have fun doing it, that's what we do here on go for it weekend week out year in and year out because it is the second hour of go for it And we're back. It is the second hour of Go For It. Black Monday is around the corner, and we're going to bring in another blog talk host, Sportsman Radio, the one, the only, my man, Chris. How are you, sir? Yeah,
0: I'm doing great, Paul. It's it's uh I have to say it's an honor to finally call into your show, man. It's an
1: honor to have you on. You wanted to talk about Black Monday, and Black Monday is going to be black for a lot of coaches in the National Football League, some general managers as well. How do you see Black Monday playing out? Uh,
0: you know, you, you said it. You mentioned a lot of coaches' names. I, I do think we're going to see a lot of coaches leaving teams. But one coach you mentioned, and you might know this from following me on Twitter or even listening to my show, I'm a Bears fan, and you mentioned Lovie Smith. And I, I got to say, I I, I mean, e- even if the Bears lose this game tomorrow against Detroit and uh, – don't make it to the playoffs. I got to tell you Paul, I I think we're going to see Lovey Smith back in Chicago. I think someone you have to look at though is uh, offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Mike Tice. I'm not okay. too sure what his uh what his future would look like for the Bears. Uh it, it, in my opinion, I think the Bears bring back, you know, uh Lovey Smith, Mike Tice and Rod Marinelli, all three of them, uh you know, it, I think one to look at, though, is Mike Tice. I think you have to give him another year to work with this offense. Of course, coming into the season, the Bears were held to high hopes with this offense. They were. You bring back. You bring uh, Brandon Marshall back here uh, to, to reunite with Jake Cutler. You bring Michael Bush. This offense looked awesome on paper, but when you're on the field, it seems like Marshall was only their only weapon. And uh, Lovey Smith, uh, the reason why I think the Bears are going to bring him back is because he's guaranteed his money for next season. And we we both know, Paul, that that would be unlikely for the Chicago Bears to fire Lovie Smith and still pay him the money. The Bears are pretty greedy with their money, you know? <laughs> so let's look
1: at it, okay, hypothetically speaking. So you're saying regardless of what happens tomorrow, regardless Bears go down, the, the Bears lose tomorrow, you're saying no matter what happens, what happens, Bears go to Detroit, they lose no matter what happens, Lovey Smith will come back next year. I think so. Okay, fair enough. I mean, the pressure is on Lovey Smith. A lot of talk is if he, if the Bears don't make it to the playoffs, Lovey Smith is going, You believe financially because he has money left because it's, he has another year on his deal. You believe that Lovey Smith will stick around in Chicago. I mean, that should be it. Should be very interesting. Let's say hypothetically speaking, Bears win tomorrow. But the Vikings win. Bears are out of the playoffs at that point. Ten and six for the Chicago Bears. Does Lovey Smith make a strong case to come back if that happens?
0: Uh, I think so. I think so. Ten and six—that's a pretty decent record. Uh, of course, the Bears started off the season seven and one, and uh, you know just collapsed in the second half of the season. So I'm sure they'll look at that. But I think so. I think if the Bears win tomorrow, uh, make it to the playoffs or not, I—I I think Lovey Smith. He's coming back,
1: and, and I think in Lovey Smith's defense, I mean, there have been some injuries. He's obviously, yeah,
0: Urlacher,
1: Cutler, I mean, so uh, to name a couple. So uh, in his defense, there's been injuries here for the Chicago Bears,
0: and that was the story last year too. You know, Bears were seven and three, looking really, really good, and then uh, you know, ten, eleven games into the season, just injuries. You know, last year it was Jay Cutler, Matt Forte. This year, you named it, uh, you know, uh, Brian Urlacher, even Matt Forte. Right. You know, there's injuries to this team. Tim Jennings, so you know that that could also help Lovey Smith. In uh, you know, when when you ask if he's going to come back next year or not, and and you you talk about it, you know, Lovie Smith, he, he's he's proved himself in the NFL. He is a pretty good head coach. Uh, you know, he, I, I think he could have done some things a little better here in Chicago, but he's made it to a Super Bowl. Of course, you know, he didn't win it, and, you know, when you make it to one Super Bowl, you, you always look to see if they won it or lost it. He didn't win it. He made it to an NFC Championship game with right. the Bears. Obviously, he's a pretty good head coach, and and you like it when uh, you see the players back up your head coach, too. I know Brian Urlacher and Charles Tillman, I'm sure other players have been, you know, everywhere uh, pretty much protecting their head coach and backing him up.
1: How do you see this whole thing playing out in terms of tomorrow for the Chicago Bears, in terms of their playoff chances? Do you see them, A, winning in Detroit, and, B, do you see the Packers beating the Lions? Uh,
0: pa- Packers beating the Vikings. Vikings, I'm sorry. It, it's uh, Yeah, you know, I don't know if this is the Bears fan in me or not, but I, I do see the Bears winning tomorrow well, in hold Detroit. Hold on, let's stop
1: for a second. Take off your Bears underwear, your Bears <laughs> socks, your Bears T-shirt. Now what will happen tomorrow uh, all
0: right bears win we we seen these two teams battle on uh, early in the season they won 13 to 7 that's in chicago now they're playing in detroit I, I don't think home field advantage is gonna really matter in this one i think the bears they know they're playing for something they win this game then they have a chance to go to the playoffs uh detroit i really like the team on paper but when you look at them on the field they just they're just not too good uh only weapon on offense is Calvin Johnson, uh, Matthew Stafford, I like Matthew Stafford, but you you don't know who's going to be lining up across from Calvin Johnson. It almost seems like every week. Titus Young, he's having his problems. Uh, Nate Brilson, he's out for the season with an injury. Uh, I believe it's like Chris Durham or something like that who's lining up across from Calvin Johnson right now. So, you know, I I think everything is in the Bears' favor to win this game. I think uh, the football gods were really looking over the Bears because – they needed to win these last two games, and uh, honestly, I don't think it could have. Uh, I don't think the Bears could have gone against any, you know, any other teams that would have uh, helped them out in winning.
1: And and I, the, I looked at the whole situation with the Chicago Bears, even after after their disappointing loss they had a few weeks back. Um, I, I saw the final two games of the season: Arizona and Detroit. And to me, it all measured up. It was the perfect storm for me the Bears would get into the playoffs. I didn't expect the Vikings to win last week against the Texans. That was a shocker. That was a shocker, and that kind of changed some things to me for me. But at the same time, I can't see the Vikings. Well, I can see the Vikings, but I don't think they will beat the Packers tomorrow. That's, I mean, the Packers really need that football game tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and you know what? You, you hit it. I mean, I don't think anyone expected the Vikings to win that game against Houston last week. And uh, I got to say one reason why, the Vikings defeated the Texans last week is because Christian Ponder was actually playing well. There, uh Adrian Peterson who's been carrying this team on their be- on uh, his back all season long, he he wasn't much of a factor. I know he had like what over twenty carries and eighty yards, but right. Christian Ponder was playing well, and this and this Vikings defense, which I've loved all season long, what was playing well once again. And you know, when when all that happens, you have a good chance of winning. So. I honestly, I can't see the Vikings winning against Green Bay tomorrow. Uh, we know Christian Ponder, one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't see him having another good game against Green Bay tomorrow, especially if it's and a division we sh- game.
1: We shall see. I mean, that's why you play the game. It should be. A- I think it's going to be. It's going to be a much better game than I thought it would be a few weeks back. The Vikings are playing some decent football. They do have the Packers at home. And Adrian Peterson did have some success against the Packers a few weeks back, 210 yards. So it is possible. It is possible that the Vikings could win tomorrow. They really could. I don't think they will, but they have a very good chance.
0: Very good. Yeah, chance. yeah, they do. And uh, the Bears and Bears fans are, are, you know, I hate to say it, they're rooting for Green Bay. I know Brandon Marshall said he wasn't, but deep down, I, I got to think Brandon Marshall and everyone else on that Chicago Bears team is rooting for Green Bay to defeat. Minnesota to help the Chicago Bears' playoff chances.
1: Definitely, and we shall see what happens. Chris, I know you have a great show here on Blog Talk Radio. Plug your show.
0: Paul, thanks for taking my call, man. I look forward to calling into your show uh, again in the future. You guys can check me out on blogtalkradio.com slash sportsmanradio uh, Mondays, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central Time and Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time, you guys can follow me on Twitter, at Sportsman Radio. Paul, thanks so much for taking my call. It was fun. It was fun being out for a little bit.
1: A lot of fun, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with your show. And I know you have DJ Moore on monthly. Is he going to be on next week?
0: Yeah, I'm actually planning on having him on my show on Monday as well as Adrian Peterson.
1: Okay. Not that All Adrian right.
0: Peterson. Not that Adrian Peterson. Former Chicago Bears running back Adrian okay. Peterson. Okay, okay,
1: okay. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Chris, a pleasure, man. Good luck.
0: All right, thanks. Take care, man.
1: Chris, Sportsman Radio here on blogtalkradio.com. Chris has a great show, and, uh, you know, he's doing some big things here on blogtalkradio.com. We'll see what happens with the Chicago Bears. I mean, Lovey Smith, obviously a guy who's had some success in Chicago. So, I mean, we we all know what he's done. Gotten his team to the Super Bowl. NFC title game of two seasons ago against the Green Bay Packers. We've all seen the things Lovey Smith has done. He's no bum, obviously, as a coach. He's a very good coach. But the Bears were a team at this, at earlier in the season that a lot of people were talking about in terms of a Super Bowl, the way this team was playing earlier in the season, the way that this defense was turning people over and scoring points. I mean, this team at one point was 7-1. and one. This was a 7-1 and one team at one point. And, again, losing Cutler was big. They lost Cutler in the Texans' game. And he didn't play against uh, the 49ers as well. I mean, so the final week, so losing him was big. Losing him was big for the Bears. Urlacher, obviously, Tim Jennings as well. So they've lost with some people throughout the course of this year. Injuries had played a part in the Bears struggling to make the playoffs at this point. I think they get in. I think they get in. But this Minnesota Vikings team, if I was a Bears fan, I'd be a little scared after what I saw last week against the Houston Texans, but we shall see. I wanna go now to the New York Jets. The soap opera continues in New York with Jets with Rex and the Jets. And obviously this week, I mean, Greg McElroy turned out, I mean he was sacked eleven times against the San Diego Chargers. So what happened is not surprising, but Greg McElroy had a concussion. He didn't die. He didn't disclose it to the, uh, to the Jets, but ultimately he was lifting weights, he had a headache, and he, ultimately he was diagnosed with a, with a concussion. And because of that, you would think, okay, finally, finally, Tim Tebow would get an opportunity as the quarterback for the New York Jets. You would think this is finally his time. You would think this is his time, finally, after everything. After you sit Mark Sanchez down for the rest of the season, you put in Greg McElroy in, and he was supposed to be your quarterback for the final two weeks. Again, he got sacked 11 times against the Chargers. Ultimately, that led to a concussion. Ultimately, you would think that would lead to finally, everyone finally seeing Tim Tebow. Well, it didn't happen. Tim Tebow was bypassed again. Mark Sanchez... Is now the starting quarterback for the New York Jets this final week of the season against the Buffalo Bills, and he is the quarterback, Mark Sanchez. Yeah, that's 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 a fail. That's fail. That's fail. I mean, we've seen Mark Sanchez. We've seen the kind of year that he has had. We've seen some of the things that he has done. We've seen Mark Sanchez, enough is enough, is enough, is enough. I mean, I guess at the same time, I understand why he's going back to Mark Sanchez. Tim Tebow obviously is not in the plans for the New York Jets. They're obviously not in his plans. Mark Sanchez probably will be in their plans in 2013. We know his cap number. We know the guarantees that he's expected to have. We know all those things. $8.25 million Mark Sanchez is guaranteed to make in 2013. We know that. We know if you trade him, it's going to be a cap hit. We know if you cut him, it's going to be a cap hit. We all know these things. We all know these things. Actually, they'd be very fortunate to trade him. That would be less of a cap hit. But the thing is, bottom line, Mark Sanchez is stuck in New York with the Jets. And the Jets are stuck with Mark Sanchez. And that's probably the best way to say it. The Jets are stuck with Mark Sanchez. It is what it is, but I, I, I go back to the whole situation with Tim Tebow and the New York Jets, the way they really just messed this whole situation up it was a senseless decision by the Jets to bring this guy in and no, the way they utilized this guy, to me the only reason you bring him in as, is as a sideshow, is to take some of the attention away from the New York football giants, the Super Bowl winning world champion New York football giants, maybe that's why you did it That's the way you utilize this guy. That's my only explanation. I mean, we all know that Tim Tebow is not a great practice player. Everybody can tell you that about Tim Tebow, but he is a gamer. He is a gamer. But anyway, aside from all that, you gave up a fourth and a sixth-round pick for this guy. You paid some of his bonus, and he is a glorified punt protector. That's all he's done throughout the course of this year. So you essentially wasted a roster spot. You put him in the Wildcat offense. We've all figured the Wildcat offense out at this point. We've all figured it out. Tim Tebow didn't do anything in that Wildcat offense. He wasn't effective in the Wildcat offense. He didn't do anything special in the Wildcat offense. You could argue that Jeremy Curley has ranked Wildcat offense better than Tim Tebow. You can make that argument. You can make that argument. But the bottom line is this. You gave him a fourth, a sixth. you paid some of his bonus, including his $1.1 $1. $1 million salary this year for a guy who was a punt protector, a, guy, a special teamer. That I mean, that's, that's what he basically did. He was a special teamer this year. You wasted all this money on this guy, all this money on Tim Tebow. All this money on Tebow. And Tim Tebow gave you nothing. You didn't utilize him. You didn't utilize him. And I'll say this. I'll say this. We could call. I mean, you hear it all the time on, on Twitter, Tim Tebow. Merrill Hodge as well. a lot of people call him a bum. Some people are calling him a fake and a phony. Some people, I mean, because last week we all know there was reports that he had asked out of the Wildcat offense because he wasn't a starter because he was bypassed by Rex Ryan after he benchmarked Sanchez. So we all know the reports that Tebow uh, summer is basically he said, she, he said, he said, I should say, because now Tebow is saying that didn't happen that way. You know, reports are that it did happen that way where he said, you know what, if I'm not going to be a starter, I don't want to be a part of the wildcat package. I mean, all those things we, we, we've we heard it all, but the reality is, is this, the jets have had some struggles with Mark Sanchez. They've had some struggles with Mark Sanchez throughout the course of this season. Mark Sanchez, 50 turnovers in two years. 50 turnovers in two years. That's right, 50 turnovers in two years for Mark Sanchez. That's not good. That's not winning football. That's not winning football. That's the type of football that should put you on the bench. And ultimately it did put Mark Sanchez on the bench, but you could argue that he should have been on the bench a lot sooner. You could argue that he should be on the bench a lot sooner. But, I mean, he's had some moments. I mean, the Patriot game, he wasn't bad. 328 yards against the Patriots, obviously, uh, earlier in the season against the Buffalo Bills where he started out great, and they blew the Bills out. And, and the Dolphins' victory in overtime, he played fairly well. But, I mean, all in all, all in all, Mark Sanchez has had some struggles throughout the course of his season. I mean, the butt fumble where he bumped into Brandon Moore, his guard, and he fumbled. I mean, just a lot of just bad moments for Mark Sanchez. The four interceptions the last time we seen him against the Tennessee Titans was absolutely positively awful. God-awful, bad, just bad, 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 bad. 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 Just bad. He's been bad throughout these past the past two years. He's been awful. I've never been a Sanchez guy. I never have, and I think I never will. Um, do I think he still could be someone could do some work with him and and possibly put him in a good situation to succeed. I think you could. I think, Mark, you could win with Mark Sanchez, but I don't know how much you can win, but I think you can win with this guy. He has proven that he has, I mean, he's gotten to the AFC title game two seasons in a row. I mean, so he's proven to be or have some success. He's had some success. But I look at this guy, and I was always thinking he could never get the Jets over the top, and I never thought he could, and he hasn't. And, I'm, and in, well, he will be back in 2013 more than likely because of the cap number. You're going to have to bring him back. It's cheaper to keep him. You know, it's, it's cheaper to keep him. So the, the Jets are more likely going to keep Mark Sanchez in 2013. So I can understand this move and an opportunity – to possibly give him more, give him more confidence, get him some confidence going into the off season. Let him play against the Buffalo Bills, a team he's had some success against. I mean, first game of the year, he had a lot of success against the Buffalo Bills. Big time numbers against the Buffalo Bills in week one, four touchdowns in that game. So he, three touchdowns I should say in that game against the Buffalo Bills in week one. So he had a lot of success against this Bills team, and so maybe that success can go. With him, maybe he can have some success this final game of the season gets the bills, and maybe he can take this success into the off season. maybe this will give him some confidence into the off season, maybe, maybe, maybe maybe, maybe, or maybe not. I mean, maybe he is who he is, and it is what it is, but obviously Tim Tebow is a guy that, who's not going to be in the plans for the New York Jets 2013. He's not in their plans and in reality is he really was the way he was used you you didn't think he was in their plans in twenty twelve I mean, it was just uh, an abysmal waste of time. It's just a flat-out waste of time and with Mark Sanchez. Not Mark Sanchez, but Tim Tebow. I mean, it was a wasted roster spot. Boomer Sison said it back in the offseason. This was a wasted roster spot. The Jets should cut Tim Tebow. And I, I look at him and what he said at the time, and, you know, I didn't say I disagreed really because, you know, Wildcat offense. I mean, come on. Wildcat quarterback. Unless you were hellbent on using this guy a lot, in 2012, using him a lot in the Wildcat offense, using him, you know, in this Wildcat offense. I mean, unless you – or even using him as a quarterback if things got a little messed up and Mark Sanchez faltered. I mean, uh, it's just – you look at Tebow and the way they utilized him only through eight passes in 2012. I mean, that's really nothing at all. Really nothing too exciting with this guy. And even as a rusher, I mean, he only had 32 attempts as a rusher, 102 yards, 3.2 yards to carry again. Nothing special from Tim Tebow. He was a wasted roster spot, as Boomer Siasen astutely said in the off season, And it turns out he is. He has been. And whether that's his fault or not, I don't know. I know there was a quote about Champ Champ He had a quote and talking about in terms of him being a gamer, him being a horrible practice player, but being a big-time gamer. And, and say what you want will, will about Tim Tebow and his passing numbers and, and some of the things he's done throughout the course of his career and what he did last year in Denver. Obviously, the numbers are not eye-popping, but if you're about ground and pound like the Jets are, if you're about you know playing a ball-control offense and relying on your defense, To help you. Tim Tebow is not a bad guy to go with. I mean, we've seen what he did in Denver. He got them to the playoffs, a team that was left for dead, a team that was 1-4 at one point, a team that was essentially in the Andrew Luck sweepstakes. They were essentially in the Andrew Luck sweepstakes. They were in the Andrew Luck sweepstakes. They were at one point in that season. They were in the Andrew Luck sweepstakes. The Andrew Luck sweepstakes. That's where they were. That's where they were in the Andrew Luck sweepstakes. That they were, they were, they were fighting for Andrew Luck status. I mean, they were they were fighting for Andrew Luck or R. T. Three. That's what the Denver Broncos were at one point in 2011. Then Tim Tebow came back, came out and, and changed some things, changed the culture. The defense started playing better. The team started playing better. I mean, and the thing about Tim Tebow, the thing about him last season, say what you will about the guy, he did win a playoff game. That is more playoff victories than Matt Ryan, the same amount of playoff victories as uh, Tony Romo. But you look at him, one thing he didn't do was turn the football over. He did have seven fumbles, which isn't isn't good, but he only had six interceptions and 12 touchdowns. Obviously the completion percentage at 46.5% is not good. That's something that, that has to get better. But the thing about it is he revitalized the Denver Broncos. He revitalized that team, that franchise. And ultimately, he was replaced by Peyton Manning. You can't really argue with that. It's Peyton Manning. It's Peyton Manning. It's Peyton Manning. It's Peyton Manning. So you can't really argue with that. You can't argue with that. You can't. But anyway, Tim Tebow, it is what it is with him. And we all know that Tim Tebow will be in Jacksonville probably at season's end. And we'll see what happens. There, you look at now. I want to go to the NBA now, and I want to look at the New, the Brooklyn Nets, I should say. I want to say New Jersey Nets. I keep wanting to say New Jersey Nets, but the Brooklyn Nets. And what happened with them this week? Avery Johnson was let go by the Nets. This is after 28 games. This is after the Nets, who after the 28 games were 14 and 14. This is after Avery Johnson was the coach of the month in November. This was after Avery Johnson, and then the Brooklyn Nets were off to a fairly good start, but they've had some struggles in December. Big time struggles in December and ultimately that cost Avery his job. But you could also argue that Darren Williams may have cost Avery his job. if Darren Williams came out and said he had some issues with the offense and ultimately those issues those that came out a poor December for the Nets was the December that the Nets had was not good obviously was was horrible. They're having a horrible December at this point. They did win yesterday. P.J. Carlissimo is their interim coach. They did win yesterday. But, again, all in all, the Nets are having a tough time, a tough time in in December. And, ultimately, it cost Avery Johnson his job. And the Nets, again, 14-14 at this point, only 28 games into the season. And then he's gone. They let him go. They released him of his duties. And, What happens now for the Nets? And you you wonder now, and a lot of people are saying it about Darren Williams, the reality is whether Darren Williams had something or nothing to do with it, the perception is that he had something to do with it. He had a lot to do with it. Whether he had nothing to do with it, the perception perception, perception is reality in life. And the perception is that Darren Williams is a coach killer. We all know what happened with Jerry Sloan. In Utah, granted, you know, how long was Jerry Sloan going to stick around anyway? But anyway, we all know what happened in Utah with Jerry Sloan and Darren Williams. And Darren Williams, people are saying it was the main reason why uh, Jerry Sloan resigned. And then you have the situation with Darren Williams coming out and talking about the offense. And then ultimately the Nets on Christmas Day stinking it up. You had ownership apologizing to the fans. And then the following day the Nets stink it up again against the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. And then the following day the Nets made the decision to fire Avery Johnson. They made the decision to fire the little general, Avery Johnson. You wonder now, I mean, you looked at him, and I I just, you wonder now with the Nets, where do they go from here? Phil Jackson is out there. Reports are the Nets are willing to throw a lot of money, a lot of money at Phil Jackson to make that happen. The, Mets, the Nets are willing to throw a lot of money at Phil Jackson to make that happen. Those are the reports are. So Jeff Van Gundy also is a name that you're hearing. So you're hearing some names. You're hearing some names. The Nets again this off season. They came out this off season and spent a lot of money on a lot of guys. Ultimately, ultimately, they went out. And, you know, they, they went out and, and got a lot of, paid a lot of money for a lot of guys, bringing up Brooke Lopez back for a lot of money. Gerald Wallace also. Joe Johnson trading for his big-time salary. Darren Williams giving him big-time money. The reality is the Nets, the expectations for the Nets were, were high. You could argue maybe they were a little too high. You could argue also that it is still early in the season. You could argue that okay, you're bringing in a lot of different players, new players. Chemistry could be an issue. You can make all those arguments. You can make all those arguments, but the reality is, you know, the Nets were built to win. Now, you know, you wanted to make, you're going to Brooklyn. You want to steal some attention from the Knicks. You want to, you want to spl- You want a big splash, and the Nets were looking for that big splash, and it hasn't happened. With Avery Johnson hasn't happened to this point. I mean, it started off very good for the Nets, and now this month it, it's gotten bad. It's gotten bad for the Nets, and even after I was thinking to myself, and I, even after what Darren Williams said coming out, then after the performance that the Nets had on Christmas, and then the performance they had in Milwaukee, you knew possibly the days were numbered for Avery Johnson. The number, the days were numbered, and Avery Johnson ultimately was fired, and now. The Nets have moved on. I mean, unless, to me, you know, and, and I was looking at the, the Lakers situation, you had an opportunity of Phil Jackson, you bypassed him, and we don't know if Phil has interest in the Nets. And uh, You know, you could argue that the Nets aren't really built to win a championship today. You can make that argument, that they're not built to win a championship today. But anyway, anyway. Darren Williams has not been playing well this season. His his numbers are definitely down. And at this point, because of the perception that, you know, Darren Williams is a coach killer and was one of the reasons that Avery Johnson was let go, he was one of the reasons that um, Jerry Sloan was let go. Because of that perception, because of that perception, right now, the pressure is now on Darren Williams. It's on Darren Williams now. The pressure is on Darren Williams. His numbers are down. His numbers definitely are down. Sixteen points a game for Darren Williams. Under seven point eight assists, a little bit under eight assists a game. Field goal percentage at forty percent, so field goal percentage is down for Darren Williams, and you look at let's just look at his numbers. In years past, I mean, t- 2010, 2011, he was at 45% in terms of field goal percentage. And the numbers that he put up was 21 points a game for the Jazz. I mean, let's look at the first three years. Uh, let's look at the last three years for Darren Williams, 2010, 2011, came over to the Nets, played the final 12 games with the Nets, but and you know, played, obviously, 53 games with the Jazz. But in that season, with the Jazz, he's averaged 21 points a game. And with the Nets, he averaged 15 points a game. Could it be the Avery Johnson effect? Could it be the offense is not geared or or tailor-made for uh, Darren Williams a possibility? I mean, Darren Williams likes to pick and roll. He ran a lot of pick and roll with the Utah Jets. But his field goal percentage is a little alarming. I mean, even when New Jersey last year – I mean, not last year. uh, Yeah, last year, his field goal percentage was at 40.7%. So – the field goal percentages have gone down with Darren Williams since he has come to the Nets. I don't know if that's Avery Johnson. I don't know who who do you blame for that? Is, is it the offense cuz his field goal percentage is down. I mean, with the the Utah Jazz in 2007-2008 he was at 50%, with the Utah, Utah Jazz 2008-2009 47%, Utah Jazz 2009-2010 season 46.9%, basically 47% and then he gets traded to New Jersey late in the season, um, in 2010-2011, 34% field goal percentage. And then 2011-2012, granted the talent was a little diminished in New Jersey, but again, 40% shooting percentage. And now this season, 40.2% field, percentage, field goal percentage. So he's in the 40s, and his percentages have gone down since he's been with the New Jersey Nets. The Brooklyn, New Jersey Nets, whoever you want to say it, but... It's obviously Brooklyn Nets, but he's played with the New Jersey Nets when they were in New Jersey at one point. So, anyway, his percentage field goal percentages are down since he's been with the Nets. The percentages are down. I mean, is it a byproduct of the offense that he's in? Is it the offense? Could you blame the offense? Can we blame the offense? I don't know. I don't know. But the reality is, at this point, Darren Williams is a considered a coach killer. At this point, Darren Williams, the pressure is on you to step up your play. Charles Barkley, Shaq, called you out. It's time for you to step up your play. Perception is perception. Reality is one thing, perception is another. We all know perception is reality in the country, in this world that we live in. It is what it is, Darren. You're making big-time money. You're in a big-time market. You're going to get big-time attention. It is what it is. Now it's time for you to step up and play big-time basketball for the Brooklyn Nets and prove to everyone, prove to the fans out there, prove to the to the critics out there that, you know what? I can ball. I'm still an elite point guard in this game. I'm still one of the best who, who's doing it as a point guard in this game. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Darren Williams moving forward. I don't know. <clears throat> Should be interesting. Now what the Nets do now in terms of their coaching, is it Phil? Is it Jeff Van Gundy? As Phil Jackson come back? Reports are Jeff Van Gundy really doesn't want to take over the coaching, take over for P.J. Carlissimo at this time in the middle of the season. He says his reports are that he's willing to do it at the end of the season. That's what reports are. That's what the reports say that he's willing to do it at the end of the season. We'll see. We'll see. We shall see. But the reality is this: this is reality. Darren Williams now is considered a coach killer. Avery Johnson is gone. And now the Nets now. Whoever's going to come in right now, P.J. Carlissimo is picking up the pieces, but I don't think P.J. Carlissimo is going to be the long-term solution as the coach. So you wonder who is going to be the long-term solution as the coach. And it's probably, probably, it may be Phil Jackson. They're willing to give him a lot of money. That Russian money goes very far with Prokhorov and the Nets. So we'll see. We'll see if and what happens now with the the Brooklyn Nets in terms of coaching, in terms of everything pretty much. We'll see what happens. We shall see what happens now, and it should be very interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. But anyway, the Nets have been a disappointment. They really have. There's no doubt about it. They have been a disappointment this year. 14-14. and 14. They got off to a great start, but right now they're 14-14 and 14 and struggling and struggling. Are the Nets a championship team? Probably not. Maybe Phil Jackson changes some things. Who knows? Maybe bringing in a Phil Jackson changes some things. but Or whoever coach they bring in. Maybe they, they, there's a, one of the Van Gundy's, Stan Van Gundy's out there. Obviously Jeff is out there. So who knows? Who knows how this whole thing plays out? But as of right now, Avery Johnson is gone. He is gone. And so, and that's that's the game you play, or that that that's the, what you when you're coaching the NFL. This is the reality of any NBA or the NFL or any sport. This is your reality. You're hired to get fired. And you can't get rid of all the players, so you got to get rid of somebody. And so, and so, and so, because of that, because of that, somebody has to somebody has to take responsibility, and the responsibility is Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson is the one who has to take responsibility. He had to. He's gone. And the whole situation now with the Nets, it's just an interesting situation now. A very, very interesting situation. A very interesting situation for the Nets as the Nets now have decided decided that, you know what, Avery Johnson is not our coach right now. Our coach is going to be, could be Phil, could be Jeff, could be Stan. Who knows who it will be. But we all know it's not going to be Avery. Maybe P.J. Carlissimo keeps the job the whole season. Maybe P.J. is the one who's who's able to keep the job this whole season. Maybe. Maybe. But we all know. We all know who is not going to be, and that is Avery Johnson. Not going to be Avery Johnson. <clears throat> it's only 28 games into the season, and you thought Mike Brown's firing was quick. You could argue this one is, I mean, obviously, it's, it's fast. Very fast. You're listening to go for it on Block Talk Radio.
0: A.K.A. Corey Live, host of Picture on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G. and Jeremy. Get it!
1: Thank you, sir. And we're back here on Go For It. And, and we're uh we're the, the end of the year is upon us twenty twelve is about to turn into twenty thirteen a lot of great a lot of people with a lot of success in twenty twelve a lot of people plan on having a lot of success in twenty thirteen but it's been a great year for a lot of people a lot of athletes lebron james twenty twelve was good to lebron james twenty twelve was very good to LeBron James and we saw the year that lebron james had in twenty twelve It was an amazing year. He finally got that monkey off his back. Finally won an NBA title, which is exciting for him, very exciting for him. And the perception had changed for LeBron James in 2012. The perception changed for LeBron James in 2012. So 2012 was good for LeBron James. Very good for LeBron James. Very good to him. Very good for him. LeBron James, 2012, was good to him. And 2012 probably is going to be pretty good to him as well. 2012, 2013 is probably going to be good to him as well. And you look at this, this has been a great year for a lot of people great year for a lot of people. A lot of people have benefited and celebrated in 2012. The New York Giants, 2012 was good to them. At the beginning of 2012, they won their Super Bowl, and they were able to make a run in the playoffs and made a big-time run in the playoffs. Big-time run in the playoffs for the New York Giants. 2012 was good for the New York Giants. The beginning was, you should say, I should say the end, well, I don't think it's going to end so well for the New York Giants in 2012. I I really don't. I don't think it's going to end so well for the Giants in 2012. I really don't. It started good, but it's not going to end well. I mean, they've had a swoon. I mean, it was just awful for the Giants. Awful for the New York Giants. Absolutely awful for the New York Giants in 2012. Awful for the Giants in 2012. The ending, I should say. The beginning was good. The beginning was great. The beginning was great. Absolutely great for the Giants. The ending, well, not so good, but it could change. I mean, we we, all know, we don't know what could happen. Some things could happen tomorrow. And who knows? Some things could happen tomorrow, and who knows what could happen? Who knows what could happen? Doesn't look good, though, because the Giants need a lot of help. They need a lot of help, a lot of help, if they want to get to where they want to get and go where they want to go. They're going to need some help. They're going to need some help. They're going to need a lot of help. We shall see if they get that help tomorrow. We shall see if the Giants get that help tomorrow. Because they sure are going to need it. You sure are going to need it, Giants. You sure are going to need that help. If you want to get to the playoffs, you're going to need help. And then you look at 2012, and it's been a year of the rookie quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, RG 3 Andrew Luck and the success that they've had in this season. They've had some success this season. They had some success this season. A lot of success. Some could say it's some playoff success coming up. In terms of the Colts, the Colts are locked in, they're gonna get in. The Redskins, they win tomorrow, they're probably gonna get they're gonna get in. Not probably if they win tomorrow, they're in. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, they're in. So the year of the rookie quarterbacks, I mean, these quarterbacks have stepped on the scene and, and really played big-time football for their respective teams, really have played big-time football for their respective teams, put up big-time numbers for their respective teams in 2012. In 2013, we'll see what happens. We'll see how 2013 is going to turn out for these guys as the playoffs get started. We'll see if that success can go in to the playoffs. Even Colin Kaepernick, a guy, young quarterback, essentially a rookie, he stepped in and has been impressive for the San Francisco 49ers. He's put up big-time numbers for the San Francisco 49ers. And he's one of the reasons the 49ers are still one of the favorites to get to the Super Bowl. So a lot of success for a lot of young quarterbacks in 2012. 2012 has been a year of the comeback. Peyton Manning, Adrian Peterson, guys who coming off big-time major injuries. Peyton, his neck; Peterson, his ACL. Guys coming off big-time injuries, big-time injuries, and guys who've came off these injuries and are still able to have success and be successful. For their respective teams, so these guys—I mean, Peyton Manning—you could argue it's the MVP. You can argue the AP, Adrian Peterson, is the MVP. I don't know. I'm going to say Peyton Manning. His team, 10-game winning streak. His team going to be 13 and three. His team probably will at least get the top one of the top seeds in the AFC. His team, the Denver Broncos, have had a lot of success. A lot of success. A lot of success this year. And that is because of Peyton Manning, because of that defense of course in Denver, the Denver Broncos have had a lot of success. Broncos have had a lot of success this year. And that is because of Peyton Manning. And Tebow in 2012, I mean, 2012 was en- ended fairly well for Tebow. 2012 ended, well, began fairly well for Tebow, I should say. And then, really hasn't ended well for him. Has not ended well for Tim Tebow. Has not ended well at all. It's been a miserable 2012 for Tim Tebow. Miserable 2012 for Tim Tebow. Miserable. He's been absolute. It's been absolutely miserable for Tim Tebow in 2012. Miserable. Had a bad year. He has had a bad year. Absolutely a bad year. You're listening to Go For The Block Talk Radio. <music>
0: Almeida, aka Corey Live, host of Pictionary on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars, and right now you are listening to Go for It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it?
1: And we're back. Still working to get Lorenzo Alexander, who's uh, newest member of the Pro Bowl and one of the big-time members for Washington Redskins, as they prepare for their big game tomorrow. Still waiting to get him on. Trying to get him on. Still working to get him on. Um. He was scheduled to join us today. Hopefully, Renzo will call in in the final few minutes of the show. Final few minutes of the of the show in 2012. I mean, we will, we will be back in 2013. Just as strong, just as good, and just as happy. Talking sports, of course, and having fun doing it. 2012 was a great year for us here on Go For it, on Blog Talk Radio. A lot of success, some big-time numbers. Fans are listening. The guests are coming. It's been good been a great 2012 for us, and we've been very excited to bring you some some big-time sports news, some big-time guests, very excited to talk sports and to have fun doing it. That's what we do here. That's what we've been doing throughout the course of 2012, having a lot of fun, a lot of fun talking to you guys, a lot of fun talking sports and having fun doing it. That's what we've done this year. That's what we've done this year, and it's been exciting been fun, a lot of fun, a whole lot of fun, bringing you sports like no other, enjoying it, having fun doing it with you guys, and I'm glad you're, you've been listening, the numbers are up, the numbers are up, the fans are listening, it's been very enjoyable, you talking sports and having fun doing it, that's what we do, talk sports, we have fun doing it, and hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. If you haven't, shame on you. If you haven't, shame on you. If you haven't, this is for you. If you haven't listened, that's for you. That is for you. Again, we have, hopefully Lorenzo Alexander will call in the next few minutes before we get off the air, but let's just look at some of these big games tomorrow. Let's start with the Redskins and Cowboys. I had the Redskins winning the division again and winning the NFC East a few weeks back. I guess ultimately, I have to stick with that. I guess I have to stick with that. I guess I have to stick with it. But I'm going to say it now. I know I had the Redskins win this division, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. I know I used to be a man of my word, but I'm going to change it. I think I'm going to change it. Who wins the NFC East tomorrow? The Cowboys. The Cowboys win it tomorrow in Washington. I expect Tony Romo to have a big time performance. Des Bryant to continue to play the type of football he's played throughout the course of this year. I expect the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East tomorrow. I know it's a change from the way I thought earlier in this, well, a few weeks back and even earlier in this show. I was on the fence. But I've gotten off the fence. The Dallas Cowboys win tomorrow. And win the NFC East. Who gets the first seed in the AFC? Drum roll. The Houston Texans will win tomorrow. They will beat the Colts, and they will get the first seed in the AFC. Who will get? the second seed in the NFC. The Green Bay Packers will beat the Minnesota Vikings tomorrow. And they will get the second seed in the NFC. I expect Aaron Rodgers and those boys to come out play big-time football And I think, I think, no, I know that the Green Bay Packers will win the NFC. We'll get the second seed, I should say, in the NFC. Who will get the final wild card spot in the NFC? (laughs) The Chicago Bears. And Lovie Smith will get the final spot in the NFC. They will get the final spot. They will beat the Detroit Lions, and ultimately the Minnesota Vikings will lose to the Green Bay Packers. That's the way it will play out. That's the way it will play out tomorrow. It should be very, very exciting. Let's add some more. Will the New York Giants beat the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow? No, they won't. Andy Reid and the Philadelphia Eagles, Michael Vick, they will go out in style. Michael Vick will show all potential teams out there that he can still play this game at a fairly high level. Andy Reid will go out on top for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Andy Reid will get fired the next day on Black Monday, but he will get fired out on top. The Philadelphia Eagles will beat the New York football giants tomorrow in the Metal at, Men- at Life Stadium. It should be very exciting. But the Philadelphia Eagles will, 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 will beat the New York Giants tomorrow. But it doesn't matter because the Eagles have been a pure and utter disappointment in this 2012 season. A pure and utter, 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 utter disappointment. Been a disappointment. Been a Disappointment. So the Packers will get the number two seed. The Falcons, obviously, will get the number one. 49ers will get the number three seed. There's no way they lose to the Cardinals. No way. No way. No way. No way. Real quickly, who will get the rookie of the year? care who's going to get it here's who should get it rg3 should get it rg3 20 big touchdowns only five interceptions 3,000 yards passing over 700 yards rushing 104 quarterback rating this redskin team was left for dead rg3 has resuscitated the redskins and has put the redskins in position to win the nfc east unfortunately they won't win the nfc east Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East. Dez Bryant and the Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East. Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East. That's what will happen tomorrow. That's what's going to happen. Will Adrian Peterson, will Adrian Peterson get Eric Dickerson's record? Will he get it? (laughs) No, he will not. He will fall just short. You can't expect the guy to get 208 yards uh, against the Green Bay Packers. He did it before. I know earlier in the season, 210 yards against the Packers. But I won't. I don't expect that to happen tomorrow. I don't expect it. Who's in the MVP? Who's in the MVP? Of the Peyton Manning will, 31 big touchdowns. The Broncos will go into the playoffs on an 11-game win streak. He's been special. The Broncos have been special. He's made a big-time comeback from a neck surgery. People don't do that, folks. People have come back from ACLs. Not many come back from necks. Peyton Manning, comeback player of the year, MVP. He's all that. I want to thank you guys for listening to this show. You can listen to other shows. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash PK where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for We were expected to be joined by Lorenzo Alexander. Been trying to get in touch with him. I don't know what happened. Hope all is well with him, but we'll try to get him on at another time. But, again, enjoy your new year. Be safe. Have a safe new year. Take care of yourself. Don't do anything crazy out there. If you're going to drink... Get a designated driver. Please, please, don't drive drunk. Be smart. If you're going to party, make sure you party smart. If you're going to have a good time, make sure you have a good time smart. Enjoy your new year. It's been great. It's been great. 2012 has been good to us. 2013, she be even better for us. Will we have a great year in 2013 on this show? Will this show have a great year in 2013? Of course we will. Of course we will. Enjoy your new year. Bye!